0: Welcome to the Independent Dealer Podcast. Our very first ever Ask Luke and Jeff episode. Really appreciate everyone who submitted questions. We have got a handful of them teed up. We're going to talk about hopefully some some really good information and uh, get you guys uh, quick quick answers is according to Luke and Jeff. Like I said, we, we are not professionals. We are professionals. We are not experts. Neither are we attorneys or lawyers Luke, right? So that's my disclaimer at the beginning of this episode. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> all right, here we go.
1: You are listening to the Independent Dealer Podcast with hosts Luke Godwin and Jeff Watson. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's do this.
0: Okay, Luke, this is really, really fun. Seriously, the, the response from people has been great. Uh, I hope this is an episode we can do more frequently, maybe every quarter, just to yeah. really quickly try to give some you know feedback to, to dealers that might have some general questions. I know in the forums, There's a ton of good questions asked and answered. Um, Sometimes it's a little hard to sort through all of the responses, but this is going to be our opportunity to kind of chime in with our two cents. Yeah, cool. All right. So let's get going, Luke. I've sorted this um, probably not by priority, but we'll see how many of these we get through. One of the big, big hot topics, obviously, right now, Uh, how do we prepare our dealerships for what might be an upcoming Recession, you know, obviously yeah. a dip in the economy. I mean, I've seen my IRA and and my stocks kind of dive, and and do what you want with that. But but, give us some tips or advice or, or what should we be doing?
1: So uh, you know, I lived through the slowdown of uh, of eight to ten to eleven. I guess uh, we we've been a dealership for thirty five years, and um, around two thousand five or so, I was running everything day to day, general manager, and and we weren't really prepared for what happened in 08, uh, not as not as my dealership, but as a industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best thing every dealer out there can do to prepare for something like that is make sure your expenses are in order, number one. Um, manage your dealership like tomorrow may be the last day because it may be. Hmm. Don't. Don't overload yourself with inventory because it gets possible. I saw it where you can't sell inventory. You can't even wholesale inventory sometimes. So make sure that you've got a good supply of cars to retail. So if you're selling, um, if you're selling 40 cars a month, you need 40 to 50 cars. You don't need 120 cars, right, Jeff?
0: Yeah. Tough coming out of tax time, right? Because I I know that I stocked up and and tax time, kind of got cut short, I think, by the virus. And so I am maybe sitting a little heavier. And some of these well, higher dollar units that didn't move, I'm, I look I'm tempted it, to go dump them. Should I, I look
1: at it as, as an actual good time to uh, for a slowdown to happen. And the reason I say that is because a lot of us did stock up, but it but it may have gotten us through the first part of the attack season. And we uh, aren't, well, maybe some of us are rushing out to buy more cars, but I think at the moment, if, if we have a slowdown, hopefully you've sold off all that inventory you had stockpiled. And so maybe you know I don't have to go back and source cars um, at such a level as I did. Because remember, guys and girls, when, when there is a slowdown, what's going to happen is you're going you're to slow down the amount of sales you have. So if you were a 40-car dealership, you may end up being a 15-car dealership for just a little bit. And if that happens, you've got to adjust your inventory. That, like mm-hmm. Jeff's saying, so you may need to move out of some things. You may need to reduce price to retail out of some things. So make sure that that you have cash. Cash will be king when something crazy happens. So just uh, be prepared, cut your expenses, and don't wait too late to cut staff.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. I, I like to talk about that. That That's a scary, scary thought. No one wants to go backwards, right? And, and, no, and, no. and by no means am I saying... Bury your head in the sands and run for the hill. I don't think neither Luke yeah. or naysayers no, or doomsdayers no, no, no. or think that thinks that this is the beginning of the end. But what happens is it really comes back to every conversation that we've had. Are you tracking your expenses monthly, if not weekly? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yep. Is your overhead matching your income? Hopefully not exceeding it. <laughs> um, and do you have a flexible plan for that? You know, do you have enough? people that are on commission. You know, are your mechanics on maybe a flat rate? Are your detailers paid per car? So when things start slowing down and contracting, you're not obligated to a high amount of payroll for a month or two or three until you decide that these people have just been standing around twiddling their thumbs for two months. And now I have to take the painful step of cutting someone. No, if they're all on commission or piece rate or something like that, it naturally slows down. And obviously we don't ever want to see that, but you know, that's the nature of it. Everyone's going to tighten their belt a little bit if it gets to that. Yep. You're right. Um, the other thing is having a slowdown like this. I mean, what a great way to correct the insaneness that's going on at the auction right now. Right? (laughs) Like everyone complains daily about these corporate buyers, picking up auction pieces at full retail, man, I'll tell you what, when, when Carvana and Carhop and AutoNation and all these other guys start cutting off their buying staff because they can't justify them anymore. Prices they, go down immediately. Yeah, instead of buying 50 cars, he's only buying 20. Yeah. What a great way to correct the wholesale madness that's going on. Exactly right.
1: You know, not all slowdowns, I'm going to say this, not all slowdowns are bad. Now, some people may jump on me about that. But um, there's ways to make money in a slowdown. You've got to be prepared. And that's, that's all we're saying is be prepared.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I feel like we did an episode and I was trying to find what number it was. Uh, anyways, I'll figure that out and I'll post it in the show notes. I'm pretty sure we had an episode that talked a bit about how to prepare yourself For a recession. So I think we expanded on that a bit more. It may have been back in the 70s, I think. Anyways, we'll figure that out. Luke, question number two. I want to get into buy here, pay here, lease here, pay here, whatever. I see the economy slowing down. I see banks tightening up. I want to start toting some notes at my lot here. What advice do you have for me?
1: Uh, Don't do it, is my advice. (laughs) Um,
0: Because you don't want competition or because? Yeah,
1: number number one, because I don't want competition. No, no. Let's be serious. Okay. You better be well funded. Okay. And I'm I'm not, I'm not just saying that you can't do it, but what I'm telling you is, is if you, if you've got a million dollars, that's a good start. And I'm talking about a million dollars in cash.
0: Okay. Okay. Line of credit,
1: whatever, however you're getting that cash, right? Everything. And that's to me, one to 1.2 million is a good starting spot. Um, Now, I may get a lot of pushback on that, but I think that honestly, it would be really hard uh, to do it any other way, and not, it can't be done any other way. I just think that this is a business that eats cash, mm-hmm. um, and it's and it's hard. The second thing is you can't dabble in it. I saw somebody ask a question the other day. Hey, I've been a prime store this that, and other. I want to get into some to some buy here, pay here. Buy here, pay here is not necessarily the car business. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is the finance business. It is the collection business. Mm And so if you don't understand that part of it and you just say, Oh, you know what? I'm going to sell, you know, 400 cars this year. What you're going to do is you're going to lose a lot of money. You're going to, you're going to sell those cars, buy here, pay here, and you're not going to know how to collect them. Mm -hmm. And, and it's going to be gone. The money's going to be gone and you're going to be crying. And it's not a good position to be in. So, you know, if you're going to be in the buy here pay here business, be in the collection business, understand yeah. it, be well capitalized, and uh, know how to buy the
0: right cars. And, and, that's, and I and I would say on on top of that, Luke, I would say you need to. I mean, if you are getting into it, what's the minimum? You got to be doing ten buy here pay here deals a month, right? I would um, think that would be kind of a minimum, depending on your ACV. But if I you can't you commit, more. okay, if you can't commit to ten or fifteen buy here, pay here deals to really make it worth it, to justify a full-time collector. You know, you got to get that portfolio up to the amount of accounts where it justifies someone who can really give it attention. If you're just doing five a month, you're only ever going to have, you know, 50 accounts on the books and you're never going to have enough income to hire someone to give it attention.
1: There's an inflection point and um, I don't know, where that lies with certain, you know, with certain dealers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that point is maybe it's 250 accounts, maybe it's 350 accounts, but it's somewhere in there. If you don't have yeah. more than that amount, it's not worth your time and effort.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but especially, let's say we're collecting $400 a month per account. Well, you can do some quick math and at, you know, 250 accounts, you know, hopefully you're collecting around a hundred thousand dollars a month. Yeah. And you might say, wow, that's a lot of money. And that's what I want to do. Well, there's a lot of expenses that come with that. Um, oh, yeah. And, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of cash out um, in that $100,000 because you've got to replace your inventory. You got to do this, you got to do that. So there's an inflection point where this thing's going to eat money, eat money, eat money, eat money. But then all of a sudden, maybe when you get to that 100000 $130,000 a month, you keep your expenses really lean. At that inflection point, all of a sudden, it's going to start giving you some cash back but you got to, you got to suck it up until you get there and you've got to run it up fast. If you don't run it up fast, then you're going to be stuck behind that inflection point for way too long. If you understand what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I think so. What you're saying is there's like a, a critical mass, like you need to get to 200 accounts as quickly and smart as possible so that you can spin off enough cash to justify the headache, the collector, the, you know, and if you uh, maintenance the warranty claims, yeah. the repos, the bad debt that you're going to be taking, not to mention you're probably paying down a line of credit or paying back some investor, right? So, yeah, and, yeah.
1: And so, one of the big things is, um, it's just you can run it up. I, I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna be kind of weird. And listen, listen to what I'm about to say. You may, not need to be very, you may not need to be too tight getting to that point hmm. um, because the looser you are with the finance team, the faster you can get there.
0: Hmm.
1: And once you get there and realize what's going on, you can tighten the screws a little bit. So uh, don't be too careful about that run up if you've got enough cash. Now, if you don't have enough cash, you've got to be really careful. Hmm. But you need, it, to me, it's almost more important to get to that critical mass than to be too tight. Um, would be my, would be my my opinion on that.
0: Yeah. Uh, my, I, I mean, I've been at it for, I uh, do 10, 12, 13 years and I don't know if I've ever gotten there. You know what I'm saying? It definitely <laughs> not gotten to the point where I'm spinning off enough cash for it's paying off all the debt and I'm, I'm setting sail. It's a, uh, it's a continual, continual process. And when you think you got it figured out, you're going to get hit with a recession and you're going to hit with a ton of charge offs you know, and you're going to write it to the bottom or for the last five years, we've been battling subprime banks for the good customers, Mm -hmm. you know? And what I say on that is make sure you've done some research on your market. You know, I know Luke's ACV at his buy here, pay here store is way different from mine. You know, I barely get anyone that can do a 400 or $500 a month payment. Whereas I know there's, you know, buy here, pay here is in Texas where it starts at a hundred dollars a week. You know, that's their beginning (laughs) payment on some of that mm-hmm. stuff with $1,500 down, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm lucky to get $500 down outside of tax time. So yeah. it definitely depends on your market, you know, the makeup of car. And, and that has to do with a lot with how deep your pockets are too. Yep. You got to have deep pockets. Do some performance. Okay. Look, moving on to the next one. Um, now we get a lot of traffic to our store, but most of the people that come in cannot get financed for a, you know, a, a credit Sam- card <laughs> at, yeah Macy's or something, you know, like a, the easiest thing, how, how do we improve the quality of our leads? The quality, not always the quantity, but is there a way or some trick tip we can do to improve the quality? So yeah. Um, I mean,
1: simply, yes, you can, the best way to improve your lead quality is to improve your car. Mm. Um okay. because people who have really bad credit know what they can buy typically. Okay. <laughs> and so what'll happen is is if they come to your lot and they see a bunch of lower ACV cars, then they're gonna know they're gonna qualify typically, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if they come to a higher end store, they're probably not even gonna walk on the lot or send you a lead via email. So um you're the, the brand, and we're going to talk brand here in a minute, but the brand of your dealership will determine the quality of your lead. If you've got a dirt lot, you're going to get a lot more dirt lot credit people, right? Mm. If you've got a very nice lot, you're going to get a lot higher end lead. So, um, that's one thing I think that really controls the quality of your lead. The, 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 look of your website controls the quality of your, your lead. Um, what you're advertising, you know, if you get on TV and you get on radio and you get on Facebook and you say, we finance everybody, guess what you're (laughs) going to get, you know, but if you get it, but if you get, if you get on TV or get on radio or wherever, and you say, Hey, these are the things you need to qualify with us. You need to make $1,600 net a month. You need to be at your residency year. You need to be on your job a year. You'd be amazed if you told people exactly what it takes to qualify at your store. A lot of times you give that exact customer to you
0: got it mm-hmm. i got it i would add to that luke is it's not necessarily bad and that's my thing is i get it cast a broad net you know what i'm saying you're gonna bring in a lot of stuff but then just have a better system to sort through it Or oh, have yeah, a better sure. system to foster those people that can't finance a hot dog today but they might be able to do it in six months and now they're in your CRM and you're staying in contact with them. You know what I'm saying? So, so don't, don't, I mean just brooming somebody because they gave you a low ball offer. You don't like them or they're trying to get into this car or the other. You you may be the one that has to educate them. Hey man, let's, I got nothing for 500 down and $200 a month. Like it just doesn't exist here. Go shop around and then you'll be back and, and then we can really talk.
1: For sure. And, and you said something really good. Don't broom these people. Don't be rude to these people. These people may end up being a 700 credit score sooner than later. Talk to them, sit them down, explain their credit report. You'd be amazed how many people are going to respect you and come back and buy for you because you
0: took the time to talk to them. Yep. Okay. Our, our fourth question along those same lines, how do we brand, brand our dealerships?
1: First yep. thing <laughs> First thing we got to have is a mission statement, right? Or we have to have an idea of what we want to be. And we can't be everything to every customer, right? We've got to decide what we want to be. What are we? Are we a family store? Are we a turn and burn store? Are we a price sales car store? You know, are we a hometown one stoplight in the middle of BFE store? You know, whatever. you got to decide that on your own, right? Yeah. Once I decide what I am, then I can brand. Mm. So TV is huge for branding. Um, You know, Jeff, you think branding's, you think TV's dead. (laughs) In Um, my market. Well, I don't know. So, but if radio, radio's branding, you know, because you can't, in our size dealership, you can't, uh, you've got to film a commercial and it's got to be able to run for six months, right? It's not like these big stores that say, I can film a, a commercial. This week, next week, with each sale. So, what we're doing is we're branding ourselves. We're getting on TV and mm-hmm. say, you know, we, you know, my trademark line, we finance you, not your credit. That is us. We're a family store. Mm-hmm. Um, my my whole dealership's gonna be on our, our uh, website. Our whole dealership's mm-hmm. gonna be on our on our TV ad. My daughter's gonna be in our TV ad. And that's mm-hmm. the brand we want. We want people to feel comfortable when they're here. So, yeah. number one, we, we, we decided what our brand, what we, what we wanted our brand to be. And then we tailored everything we do to that brand. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, the, you, you're wearing the same color shirts every day. Uh, all the exterior building looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Your website looks like you're building. Your commercials
0: look like you're building. Everything looks exactly the same. And you got to know what you want to be. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's the point I was going to pitch in there, Luke. Make sure you're consistent in your message. I think a lot of times as dealers, we may chase what we think is new or exciting or we may be off topic or off brand or maybe all of a sudden we start buying high end cars <laughs> instead of low end cars or yeah. we have you know yellow stickers and when we should have red and for me my colors are green i decided everything was green we give you the green light that's our slogan yep. you know so all of my stickers are green all of my promotional items are green balloons building ads you know everything we do has that green light feel to it Um, And I think for us and and a clean look, you know, the whites, the blacks, the bright green, something that kind of has a clean, open, you know, inviting type feel. So if you have those opportunities, guys, you know, if you can, again, a previous episode we did freshen up the store, you know, get some new banners if you need to make sure you have a consistent message all the way around.
1: You know, one dealer in the country that I say you really need to look at when it talks about branding is Tracy Myers. Oh, yeah, uh, he, of course. We've had him on the show before, but Tracy decided years ago the brand he wanted. You know, it's, it's big, crazy hat. It's goofy commercials. You know, he's he's out there. He's a wrestler promoter. You know, he's he's this guy, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but he knew what he wanted his dealership to be, yeah. and that's what he branded it as. Some people don't like it, but he sells a lot of cars because a lot of people do like it. Yeah.
0: So, um, and He's, he's authentic all, to it. That's oh yeah, his, oh yeah. his personality. That's the other thing. Don't fake it. Don't think that you can be one yeah. thing. We had a dealer in town, in my town here, who was running the Rich Dealer program, you know, and the Rich Dealer program is very out there. You're wearing pickle suits and you're yelling at the <laughs> camera and you're this, 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 but him in person was not that. So yeah. you knew that when you heard him on the radio, he was forcing the high energy, he was forcing all this stuff. And I just don't think it stayed consistent with him. And I I think he got off of it for that reason or whatever reason, but make sure you're, you're, you're staying true to yourself too.
1: Or, you know, even just true to your brand. Um, you, you know, some people can fake it. I, I'm not one of those, but if you decided that you have a brand stick to your brand, don't, don't waver from it.
0: Okay. All right, Luke, this next section, we've got a few more to get through. I want to do some rapid fire with you. Um, sure. we got about four or five more we're going to do some quick quick question and answer. What is the best way to educate ourselves as dealers? Well
1: listen to the podcast of course. Of course. Done, done. <laughs> nah, but but seriously uh join your your association, be involved in your association, go yep. to convention, go, go to the national convention. convention, um read, study. That's it.
0: Yep. How do we develop relationships with vendors? Why? <laughs>
1: Why the reason is because if you have a problem with a vendor and you have a relationship, you can call them, you can text them, you can do these things so you don't get frustrated. Um, I like doing that. Um, and people, other dealers call me when they have problems with certain vendors because of that. Um, talk to your vendors, talk to your rep that comes by. Don't, don't leave them out in the showroom for 30 minutes while you're, you know, while you're not wanting to see them, go talk to them they know you're busy. They know you're, you've got things to do. Talk to them, engage them, go to convention, engage with them on the expo floor, do the things that you would want your customers to do with you.
0: Yeah. And I'd say be also real quickly, be careful of what you're saying. Some of these Facebook groups or your page or things like that, comments you make, the vendors are in there. They see what you're saying. It's not going to bode well when you're rap- sees a comment where you're bad mouthing them and then you're calling them up the next day, trying to get some favor done or something pushed through. You're you're exactly right. Exactly right. Are there any third party lead gen sites that are worth spending our money on? Where do we spend our money in third party sites?
1: So of course there is, or they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a reason again, know where your leads are coming from. You know, there's been a big, baloo about car gurus here lately. It's a big one. And word. <laughs> yeah. And I can tell you right now that that I hadn't paid car gurus in a long time and I get free listings from them. And I can tell you this we sell three to four cars a month from that. But that's because I you know where my leads come from.
0: Three to four cars a month off your free gurus listings. 100%. Oh, don't let them hear um, that. They're going to they're um, shut you down.
1: They're going to shut me down. They can't afford to shut us down uh because of the Google ranking and everything. But but what's interesting is um is it worth me paying a thousand dollars a month the cargoers? No, because they're gonna probably find my cars anyway. Hmm. If if your cars are priced properly, um, it probably doesn't matter what platform you're on. If you've got the right car at the right price, somebody's gonna find it no matter where they search. So um being on one platform is probably enough. I think Carfax is is worth the money. Hmm. Um because I can see all the leads I get from there, I can see what we closed from there. So, uh, and they're not priced out of the, out of this world either. And if you're yeah. a Carf, Carfax Advantage uh, dealer, then it's very little to to subscribe to their leads generation. But um,
0: you know, what I, kills I me, those Luke, two are, are high. But here's the deal. So the issue I have with that question is it's not one size fits all, right? No, it's not. I could easily say that my free CarGurus listings have created zero sales in the eight months that I've had them on there, right? Zero. I can't even contact the people. The people don't come in. It's only like my lowest lowball trash that even gets an email response. But there's probably dealers out there that are completely killing it on Craigslist listings you know, or Facebook ads because of their demographic, their geographic, the makeup of their cars, their selling strategy, their image, their branding. So it all comes back to track your lead sources, (laughs) your cost per acquisition. What is it costing you to acquire a customer through CarGurus, Carfax, cars.com, any of these places? You know what I'm saying? Does Does the economics make sense? Then great. I don't care if you're selling my leads to 30 other dealers. Cause I know that I'm selling enough to cover, to make sense for me. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Right. Track them. Okay. Uh, back to a little bit of our buy here, pay here, uh, uh buy here, pay here versus lease here, pay here is, is leasing. Be, I, I hear, you know, I've looked into it myself. It's becoming more popular. What's the difference?
1: The biggest difference is the residual, right? And some tax implications.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, I'm not, I don't know a lot about lease here, pay here. I know a lot about buy here, pay here. Um, State laws affect it a lot too. So um, lease here, pay here is not for every state. It's not for our state. It doesn't, it's, the laws don't apply properly. You cannot defer your sales tax. You can't defer your sales tax. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of different angles to work. Mm -hmm. It's state specific. You need to talk to your association uh, when it comes to lease here, pay here. And you need to really, um understand it from a tax perspective perspective, and actually mm-hmm. there's maybe some tax laws that can actually that that there's some uh, big groups out here talking about right now that if you're under twenty six million dollars according to the trump law, you might be able to as a buyer payer store wipe out all your inventory in the, the year anyway so there may not be a lot of difference um, depending on how people look at that tax law right this second. Mm-hmm. It's not clear. It's not hundred percent clear, but uh, the tax implication is the biggest and uh, you just really know your state laws and, and talk to people about
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there, there's some legal issues and some, some, some fine print you need to know if you're going to get into leasing, you know, it's not just, you know, you think you can repo the car quicker. You think you can have a $1 buyout. You think you can have, you can't
1: can't have a $1 buyout. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Highly illegal. Highly illegal.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You think that people are going to maintain the car, you know, I had a whole lot of issues with it (laughs) when I looked, but, but anyways, do, do your research. and, And those are some of our inputs. Uh, it's,
1: it's don't ever all, jump all any all it, don't ever jump into anything blind do your homework yeah. pay people to do that homework pay a lawyer you know
0: a thousand bucks before you go and waste forty thousand dollars okay well of course or sit down with i mean there's so many lease here, pay here programs that will they, yep. they, they know the state sit down with uh you know uh, i don't know north american or some of these guys that they'll give you all the education uh, real fast. All right, Luke, let's wrap it up. What is reinsurance? We've heard that word thrown around. We I know we've done a really popular episode on it. Reinsurance.
1: So reinsurance, um, just a real quick overview, is essentially you own a warranty company, okay? And and it's reinsured. You're, you're the reinsurance company. So that way you can give away a warranty. Um, that's the only way you can get a warranty. Or you can sell back-end products like uh, you know Gap. I don't necessarily recommend you selling Gap if you're not don't know a lot about it. extended service contracts Extended service contracts, yeah. all these things. And you actually own the company. And mm-hmm. so it's a way to defer some tax burden, um, build a nest egg um, and really uh, just control what is warranted by what you sell. So yeah. I, it's a very good product. You, you need to do some research on it and you need to be into reinsurance.
0: You're able to take it as an expense on the dealership side, yep. shift that, money over to your right pocket which is your insurance company which is non-taxable at the time yep because of where it's held but then you still control the right pocket and you can decide you can loan it it to yourself step in and help with repairs or yeah ultimately once you build it up it's got some some borrowing value there so definitely smart in circumstances if you're doing 20 to 30 buy here, pay here's, or even if you're doing retail, right? There's certain products yeah, that work well sure. for retail dealers as well. well
1: just, just think if you were able to, instead of selling, uh, what's a big warranty company, or just instead of selling their product, you're selling your own product. Now I'm sure you understand that, that those warranty companies make money, right?
0: Yeah. Why not Off for yourself? your back? Yeah.
1: Right? Why, why not you make the money? And then you don't have to worry about them denying a claim.
0: And it's the same thing with a, either a, a debt forgiveness or a collateral pre- protection insurance yep. that you, instead of your customer forwarding that money to Geico or Progressive, they're giving it to you and you have your own yep. full coverage type well, and, collateral and just, protection type insurance. Yeah.
1: And just remember this, if you're, if you're a good dealer and you are you know, buying the right cars and you're inspecting those cars properly and you're getting them ready to sell like you should, there's never a way that you're going to lose selling them an extended service contract. Mm-hmm. And if you've got your, and if you've got your own shop also, this is a win, win money maker
0: all day long. Yep. Awesome. Luke, that was fun. Great. First yeah. episode of ask Jeff and Luke, uh, ask Luke and Jeff. I don't know how we're going to brand this. Yeah, we'll we'll it debate matter. that later. <laughs> Jeff asking Luke. Uh, guys, Did I talking thanks- too much, Jeff no that was perfect excellent (laughs) hope everyone enjoyed it hope you guys learned keep the questions coming we're gonna do this again and we really appreciate you guys subscribing sharing this with your dealer buddies the podcast is still growing exponentially it's awesome Uh, and and, uh, episodes will keep coming thanks guys
1: Thank you for joining us today. Hope this episode inspired you to take positive action. Remember to subscribe so you get each episode the day it comes out. And we would love your help spreading the word. Leave us a review and share this podcast with your dealer friends. Dealers helping dealers learn and grow together.